0: How many of you guys are missing that uh, extra hour right about now? Me, I am. I did not want to wake up this morning. Uh, how you guys doing this morning? Okay, besides being tired. Okay, I, I understand that. Um, hey, I want to reiterate what AJ was talking about earlier. Um, we have our Fight Club event kickoff uh, for for men that's happening tonight. And so uh, let me just kind of explain uh, what this is because it sounds weird and, you know, we got a bunch of new people and so we just want to, we're not crazy. But um, Fight Club is just, it's a 10-week challenge that uh, challenges us as men in different areas of our life. Grace is a little bit different in my point of view, is that we have a lot of men that come to church. It's not how most churches seem to be um, these days. And so um, this is specifically towards men. It challenges us to uh, grow relationally with our kids, with our spouse. It challenges us to grow in our relationship with our Savior, with, with, with Jesus and, and God. Um, it challenges us to uh, it, mentally, and it challenges us physically. So kind of those four areas. And so it's just really, really, really good um, for all of us just to, just to go through it. And so tonight, even if you're not sure you want to do the, uh, the full 10-week challenge, you're like, I don't know about that, at least come tonight and just hang out with us. Uh, you're not going to be forced to do anything you don't want to do. Uh, I guarantee you, even if you don't uh, jump in on some of the things, or maybe you're physically not able to jump in on some of the things, I guarantee you're going to laugh, Okay. And we'll feed you a barbecue, so can't go wrong with that at 11 o'clock. So um, I, I totally understand, you know, it's time change Sunday, and we got to get up early in the morning, and I get that, but suck it up. All right, <laughs> let's uh, just come. It, it'll be a good time, and it's, we, we plan it late, so we're not taking away from your family time. We're just taking away from your sleep, which we don't care about as much, okay? <laughs> it takes away from all our sleep. So, um, okay, so that's my sales pitch. I'll see you guys tonight um, at the Fremont campus. It'll be fun. The last two weeks, uh, we have been, well, let me take that back. Last week and this week, we're kind of taking a step back from what we are normally doing, and we're talking about how uh, we can help people. We're talking about counseling and, uh, and how we're supposed to help those around us. Now, the truth is, I don't know if you've noticed this at all, or maybe, you know, you've been questioning this lately. Like, I don't know. Like, our world is messed up. Have you noticed that? okay? Our world is messed up. We are messed up. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that going, that's going on outside these walls that's just happening all over the place. But inside, uh, specifically within us, we are all struggling with issues as well. And so what we know is that uh, statistically even, that anxiety, worry, fear, stress, and depression is becoming more and more common among ordinary people. In fact, since COVID, uh, we, I mentioned this last week, since COVID, um, that number has really spiked specifically here in our, in our country, okay, within our specific culture, in our Western culture. Um, and I don't know why that is necessarily, but uh, the researchers tell us that 3 to 4% of the world would say that they, are, that they are struggling with things like anxiety. But here in the United States, that number goes up to over 20%, right? And so the question is, all right, I'm sure there's many people here that are, you know, you're struggling with this. And it's kind of interesting to me is that the place that we live in, Northwest Ohio, in the time that we live in it, 2022, the fact is we are living the safest lives out of, in, you know, any human beings generally that have ever lived. All right, we are living safe lives throughout human history. There's not been many cultures that have been safer than the one that we live in at this specific place at this specific time right now, but we are also the most anxious, worried, fearful, stressed out, depressed people throughout human history. Why is that? I've done a lot of research this week. I've looked into a lot of things trying to figure this out, and uh, I can honestly say I have no idea, okay? I have no clue. I'm like, why are we the safest and have the mo- probably the easiest, in a sense, lives? We don't have to worry about the kind of the basic stuff. But we're also the most worried people, and we're the most anxious people. And you know, what's going on with that? I don't know. All right, and I know there's a bunch of people out there that have all these different opinions of this is this is this and this. I don't know what it is. All I know is that when we aren't right in our relationship with God, this is stuff that creeps into our life, and it is very 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 easy for it to take hold of our life. Um, Jesus, two thousand years ago, comes on the scene, and by the way, Jesus is our Creator, right? who knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what's good for us, which means he knows what's bad for us. Why? Because he designed us. Okay, so that makes sense. And he comes on the scene and says, hey, you shouldn't be anxious about anything. He says, hey, you shouldn't be worrying about anything. He says, you don't have to fear. There's nothing for you to be afraid of. He says, we shouldn't be stressing. We shouldn't be depressed, okay, because in the sense... Really, he says we should always have joy in our life. And the anxious, being anxious and worrisome and having fear in our life and and just stressed out and depressed, that's not what God wants for us and that's, that's not how God has made us. But it's just everywhere and it's all around us and there's a bunch of people in this room. In fact, all of us in this room struggle with these things to a certain degree, some more than others. But as Christians, we are all to be counselors, we're all supposed to be a part of the cure, not a part of the disease, all right? We're all supposed to be counselors, which is kind of a scary thought for some of us. We're like, I don't know, you know, how to, how to talk to people about this. See, God, he doesn't leave us on our own, all right? He doesn't say, hey, I want you to go help people. Good luck, all right? How, whatever you seem fit. He says, no, no, no. He tells us How? And so last week, we started looking through just a small little, uh, we actually went through one verse last week, in uh, this letter in the New Testament called 1 Thessalonians, really what Paul's, what he's doing here, this is just a letter. That he's writing to a group of people who are living in this huge city called Thessalonica in the Roman Empire. And uh, these people were new Christians. Uh, they hadn't been Christians for very long, but they were all in on Jesus. And Jesus had just died just a few years before, but they're all in. And, um, and what Paul's doing, these people are going through just a whole bunch of stuff. All right? Their lives are not easy Like our lives are—they got to worry. I mean, these people are getting killed. Some of these people are losing everything. I mean, they're just going through some terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. And so Paul's writing them, and he's saying, "Hey, you guys need to help each other out. You guys need to counsel each other. Like this is this is an important thing for Christians, those of us who have a relationship with God, that we should kind of have down. And so what Paul's doing is he's talking about this at the end of his letters. He's wrapping up his letter, and um, and what we looked at last week, he kind of gives us three things that we need to do as Christians when we're trying to help those around us. He says, number one, you need to warn the idol, meaning you need to warn people that it's really, really, really good for them to work, not saying they necessarily have to have have a job, but it's good for them to do something with their life. We're not supposed to be just sitting around all day. Okay, and that gives us a sense of fulfillment and a sense of purpose, and when we sit around all day, we lose that, and that's really bad for our life. So Paul tells us, hey, you need to warn the idol, you need to comfort the discouraged, and then you need to help the weak, you need to help people grow in their relationship um, with God. That's what he means by that. And so now, what he's going to do today is he's going um, to add one more thing that as we are counseling, we need to remember, and this is what he says in verse 15. He says, okay... Uh, Also, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone. All right, now, it's interesting that he says this. Um, We just got to point out, and I already mentioned this earlier, but we're messed up. We understand that? Okay, so I'm just like, well, you know, not like that person. Actually, why don't you, let's do this. Uh, Turn to someone sitting next to you and just say, man, you're so messed up. (laughs) Just do it. Some of you guys, is going to feel really good. Others of you, it's going to be really awkward, but it is what it is. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, okay. So you know what that means, right? That means you're messed up, I'm messed up, your friends are messed up, Your family's messed up, your parents are messed up, your kids, we already know them. Um, You know, they're messed up, everybody's messed up. Everyone around us, we all have issues and we all are struggling with stuff within our life. And so, you know what that means is that it's a fact of life that people are going to wrong you. Now, some of us were like, well, yeah, I already knew that. But people that are close to you are going to wrong you. I think sometimes we have friends and family that they do something to us, and we're just like, <gasps> you know, it like, it like breaks us down. And I get people there's, people do terrible things to each other. I totally understand that. I'm not trying to uh, take that away. But sometimes we're so surprised. But we got to remember, they're messed up, just like you're messed up. See, the people that you care about the most, they will wrong you. And you are going to wrong the people who care about you the most. It's just because we're all, we're all messed up. In fact, Paul, he just doesn't say, yeah, yeah, we're all messed up. Actually, you know what the word he uses? He uses the word evil. Actually, let's do this, take it a step further. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you are so evil. Can you do that? All right. Go for it, do it. It's true. Some people are like, uh-uh, uh-uh I don't know this person. They are, all right, you know, at least know that about them. See, when we are wronged, which is going to happen, our natural thought, our natural way of doing things, our go-to is to get them back or to get even and, you know, is to do this thing that we like to call payback. All right, so if someone's a jerk to us, we're a jerk to them. If someone raises their voice at us, we raise our voice at them. Uh, someone talks bad about us, we talk bad about them, it's just kind of how we are wired. It's really the sin within us. Someone, you know, comments on us, we block them, you know, it's just all this stuff. What we end up doing, what we're doing when we're doing this, is we are taking justice into our own hands. And so Paul, he just wants to clear this up like right at the beginning, he's like, no, 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 don't do that. right, don't repay, people are going to wrong you, it's a fact of life, it's going to happen, and as we counsel people and help people, we need to remember that under no circumstances are we to pay them back, are we to repay evil for evil, and why does he say this? Number one, I think it's pretty, pretty, you know, I think we all, if we dug down a little bit deep, it doesn't fix the problem, in fact, it always makes the problem worse, yeah, we might get some temporary satisfaction, like, ah, that feels so good to watch you struggle because you did that to me. But it makes things worse. It completely ignores the root problem, and it, actually, it makes that problem even, even worse. And, and so he says this, hey, this is what we need to do. When people wrong us, we don't wrong them back. And then he says to anyone. So who, who falls under that category? Everybody stinks, right? Everybody Okay, so he doesn't say, oh, yeah, you know, if it's easy for you to forgive him, yeah, you should forgive him. No, he's like, everybody who wrongs you, okay, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're the jerk at work that you cannot stand. He's saying, do not repay evil for evil. So that's kind of his number one thing. Instead, he says in the next verse, or in the next part of the verse, he says, always pursue what is good for one another and for, what's this? All, All okay, Not the people who are easy to be nice to, not the people we like the most, but for all. Actually, this verse could be rewritten, resist evil to each other by doing good to each other. That's literally what he's saying in the original language. And so this is really the opposite of how we naturally think, right? Isn't this the opposite? Like when someone wrongs us, what do we want to do? Kind of the last thing we naturally want to do is do good for them. All right by the way he doesn't say do but always pursue what is good for one another and for you we're not even in this equation it's always about everybody else okay so it's doing good for everybody else see we are to be different Jesus was different Jesus he contradicted everything that we naturally want to do wanted to do what he would do is he'd say things like hey you've heard or hey you've been taught such and such of this but i say Don't do that. Actually do this. Actually do the opposite. Jesus was different. See, naturally, every single one of us, we are all prone to evil, but there's just a better way to live. And that's one thing that, just one of the reasons why Jesus came was to share that with us. And something we need to understand as we are counseling people that we care about is he's saying, hey, when someone wrongs you or when someone wrongs them, we need to counsel them to not get them back because that just makes the problem worse. It grows the problem. It really strengthens the problem in their lives. And we need to remember that someone, you know, that people are gonna wrong you. We need to expect it, and really we need to count on it. It's gonna happen, just like we're gonna wrong people around us. And then Paul tor- turns his attention to the end goal meaning, what's, God, what's living God's way actually looks like. So, part of the issue is we need to know as we're counseling people or really trying to help people um, when we're trying to give good advice and stuff like that, we need to know kind of what the end goal is. Like, how do we know we're sending them in the right direction unless we know what the right direction is? And so this is what he explains uh, next. He actually gives us a few do's, and then he gives us a few don'ts. So this is what he says in the next verse. He says, number one, rejoice. What's this word? Always. Always. So that's like always. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Pray. How? You know, how? Constantly. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, as a Christian, the question is, what does our life look like? Like, what makes us different? We know we're supposed to be different. Jesus was different. Jesus had a lot of things. He always tried to kind of reverse everything. We're naturally prone to do this. He's like, oh, yeah, don't do that. Actually, you need to go in this direction. But here specifically for us today, Grace Church, our church family here this morning, how should people on the outside... View us or see us. Like the question is, how, how are we known? See, we should be known as a people who reject anxiety in our life, who refuse to worry, who don't have anything to fear. Yeah, we might be tempted to get stressed out and we got all this stuff kind of coming down on us at work, but we just choose not to and we don't give in to things like depression. Why? Because we are too busy rejoicing, talking with God, and we're just so thankful like, that's how we're supposed to be. Like, think about how different are we supposed to be than this world? Like, how different of a picture is that? The normal person. See, the world comes on the scene. They say, hey, it's totally okay to be anxious. All right, it's totally cool. It, it, it's fine. All right, that's a, that's a problem that you can't help. Or you, it's okay to be worried about things. It's okay to have fear. The world is filled with fear, and everybody's afraid of all these different things, or, or it's okay to be stressed up and stressed out in certain times, and it's okay to be depressed. That's actually something that's going on inside your body, and that's not anything that you can do. It's totally normal is what the world tells us, but Jesus doesn't come on the scene and says, hey, if you have a chemical imbalance in your head, you know, you got this going on and this going on, then it's okay for you. He doesn't say that. It's almost like he knew what was best for us. Actually, we, could, we know scientifically from studies that, and research that it's, it's way better for us not to be depressed. It's better for us physically to not be anxious or worried all the time or held down by fear. And it's something that can be beaten and not just masked off. See, as Christians, we are not called to be normal. Normal people are angry. Normal people are lonely and frustrated and bitter and tired, especially today, and anxious and worried and just fearful and scared and stressed out and depressed. That's normal people. See, God, He's like, nah, those aren't my people. My people aren't normal. No, my people aren't normal. My people, they rejoice always. Not saying that life's always going to be easy and that life's always going to go the way we want it. We know that's not true. But my people, God's saying, is is my people have joy. And my people, they're always talking to me because I'm their creator, I'm their father, and they're like my adopted child. and, And my people are always thankful, and I give to my people. See, remember who Paul's writing to. These people are going through terrible stuff. Like family members are being killed. Simply because they call themselves a Christian. All right, they're going through terrible, terrible stuff. just like a lot of people here today, we got things in our life that, that, are, that aren't good, all right? Although I think what they're going through is generally harder than what we're going through today. I think that's a fair statement. And I think maybe that's why he puts the words "always, constantly," and everything in there. It like takes out all the excuses. Like, if Paul didn't use those words, you know what we'd be doing? Which, I think we do this anyway. We do this with all kinds of sin. We go, whoa, well, 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 you know, rejoice always. Yeah, my situation's different, you know? Like, I got this going on. Paul, he didn't know about what's going to happen in my life. Or, or to pray constantly. Well, I got to do this, and I have to do this. Like, like, I can't walk with God. Or, hey, this doesn't apply to my circumstance because of this reason. We rationalize it. We do this with almost everything that we do wrong. Like if we think about something, we're like, well, should I do this, this? We always make an excuse. We always rationalize, rationalize it. We make it okay in our minds. And Paul doesn't do that. I think that's why he uses those words, so we can't do that because we're all prone to do that. See, even when life is terrible and we're going through some difficult thing, just kind of pops up in our life. By the way, that's going to happen, Right? Especially people, especially within relationships, Paul's already told us he's—you know—he's like bank on people wronging you. That's going to happen. You're going to have bad things in your life. Jesus says, actually, your life is actually probably going to be harder if you follow me. But guess what? I got joy, and you'll be able to have joy, and you'll be able to have a relationship with your Creator. So it'll be—it might be harder, but it's actually going to be better. He's saying even when we're going through hard times, we have the ability to rejoice. We have the ability to talk to God anytime we want. We got open communication with our Creator. And we have the ability to give thanks and and be grateful for everything. And you know why? Because the truth is we deserve hell for eternity. See, some people, they look at that, they hear that, and they're like, well, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound loving. That doesn't sound fair. Bro, you don't want fair. Right? That's fair. Hell for eternity is fair. That's what every single one of us, including myself, especially myself, right? That's what we deserve forever because we have rebelled against our creator who's holy and perfect, and unfortunately for us, completely just. And so he has to has to punish evil. We have no hope, right? There's nothing that we could do. It's not like God looks at us and says, Man, you are so you you really were good this week. I'm so impressed. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll be up, you know be able to come up to heaven. You know, that's not what happens, right? That's not it at all. But God, when we had no hope, when we were rebelling against him, God swooped in voluntarily, meaning he didn't have to. He didn't owe us anything. He chose to for some reason, and he paid a high price that cost him something. And when he did that on the cross 2,000 years ago, it gave us the opportunity to, number one, skip out on hell, which I'm all about, okay? Sounds pretty good to me. But number two, not only that, he just doesn't say, okay, you don't have to go to hell, all right? If you give your life over to me or you start a relationship with me, um, I'll take the hell thing away. I paid for it, all right? It's more than that. It's, hey, you get to come and live with me for eternity as one of my son's adopted sons and daughters, He's like, I'm adopting you into my family. You will be my kid. That's the good news. Like, that's the awesome news. That's what we call the gospel. That's literally what gospel means. It just means good news. That's the good news that every single one of us that if we've given our our lives over to Jesus, now some of us in this room haven't, and I beg you to do that today because you don't have tomorrow guaranteed. God doesn't owe you tomorrow, He doesn't owe you this afternoon do that today but that's that's the good news that's why we can rejoice that's why we get to have joy that's why we're always giving thanks and everything because i mean think about it who cares what happens to us in this life life is short and ultimately we win that's why yeah woo <laughs> that's why we rejoice always that's why we pray constantly and that's why we're thankful in everything my question is does your life reflect that By the way, when you're going through hard times, which is probably the most difficult time to be happy, or it's not even happy, to have joy when you're going through some tough season in life, you know what? One thing that I've noticed in my life that really, really helps, and kind of the cure for that, it's gratitude. It just is. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why it is. It's almost like God knows what he's talking about. Um, It just changes the whole outlook on life. When you choose to be grateful for what's, not saying you're grateful for every situation, but you're choosing to be grateful for all the stuff, more than we can count, of what God has given us. And so Paul tells us, that's how our life should look. And when we're counseling others, we need to know what the end goal is. We need to know what we're counseling them to, which is a life of joy, a life of constant communication with God, and a life of gratitude, both in good times and bad. And so Paul, he gives us the do's. He's like, those are the three things you need to do. Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. That's what God wants for you. But then he gives us a couple of don'ts. This is what he says um, at, uh, what verse are we in? The next verse. (laughs) He says, (laughs) I don't know. He says, do this, don't stifle the spirit. Now, this word stifle, let me explain what's going on here. Okay, this, That's not a word that I use ever. Um, but uh, the idea of the word stifle here, in the, for the people in the Thessalonian church, they totally got what's going on. What Paul's doing is he's using imagery here. And this has the idea of like pouring water out of fire. So you got this fire and you're kind of, you're putting out the fire. And uh, what he's doing here is he's like, he's using imagery, like picture the spirit, like God, God. God's Spirit is a huge fire in our life, okay? Like, it's a huge fire within us. And what we end up doing is we pour water on it. See, when we become a Christian, the Bible tells us that God actually moves into our life. That's why when I'm up here talking about and I'm saying, hey, you need to remember the point or at least remember the time when you gave your life over to Jesus and you can't. Kind of a red flag to me. But I'm saying, because at some point there's a moment where God moves into your life. If it's the most important decision you could ever make, then seems like a decision that you would remember, you know, you would think. And so here. Um God's, the Bible tells us that God's spirit, it kinda, he moves into us. And so Paul's describing the spirit as a fire within us. And when we sin and when we reject God, that puts that fire out. It stifles that fire. Now, we don't have the ability to put the fire all the way out because the Bible also promises that when we give our lives over to Jesus that uh, there's nothing that anybody can do, including us, to pull us out of his hand. He's got us. Now, what we can do is we can choose to weaken God's hold on our lives. That happens when we re- when we rebel. Uh, years ago, I used to um, put on a like a middle school camp with uh, a couple other, a few other youth pastors, and um, we did this like a, near Mansfield. And uh, one game that we played every year that the kids was like the big game that the kids always loved. Oh, when are we doing this? You know, you'd answer that question all week, super annoying. And so um, it was this game that we called Firewatch. Okay, so the gist of the game was we had break the camp up into like four teams, and it, we'd use the whole like Camp area, so there's you know acres uh, and buildings and all kinds of stuff, and we play this at night. So you're like sneaking around and stuff, and so uh, you'd break up the the camp the kids into four teams, and you would give the kids a fire. They build a like a little campfire, and then you give them some extra wood and stuff. You give them some straw bales to use. Uh, they can do you know build like a wall around their fire, and um, and then you give them like an unlimited amount of water balloons. Okay. So the end, your the goal of the game was you needed to put the other team's fire out while you're also protecting your fire, and uh, and so that's you know that's what is like kind of last fire standing wins, and uh, again we would play this at night so everybody's running around and stuff. But the trick of the game was that it how you would win and no middle schooler ever figured this out, uh, but because everybody wanted to go throw the water balloons, but if a team would just hang back and protect their fire, you know, blocking the water balloons that are coming in, they'd win. All right, instead, everybody just runs away and starts throwing water balloons at everybody else's fire. You see, when you're doing that, It's like a fire within us. It's like you have to be constant lookout from attack, and it takes work to keep the fire built up. Like, the kids had to do that. They got to keep their fire burning, and uh, they had to keep the water out. That's kind of what Paul's kind of referring to, something like that here, where he's like, hey, there's this fire within us, but we're always being tempted to do wrong. We're always being tempted, you know, to, to stifle that fire or to put that fire out. And it's something that we got to block. It's something that we got to be like on constant guard while simultaneously we are feeding that Fire and growing that fire bigger and bigger and bigger, growing in our relationship with God. I remember one year there was this kid named Tim, <laughs> poor Tim. He uh, he got mad at something and he put out his own fire. Um, and I saved that kid's life that night because he would have died. <laughs> I guarantee. You. His team was so, so mad. I was like, "Get Tim out of here! He just put out his own fire. Get him out! You know they're coming." So, um, but. Uh, this, that's kind of what Paul's saying that we do within our own life. He's like, you know what we're doing? Is we're like putting out our own fire. It makes no sense, right? It's like we got this fire burning within us, and, and that's what we do. We stifle it. See, God, as he's living within us, is we douse his influence in our life with fear. We drench him with stress. We smother him with worry all the time, some of us. And Paul's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Watch out for that. Don't do it. He also says, don't despise prophecies. Now, this word prophecies, when we think of prophecies, I mean, we think of like, um, you know, preaching or not preaching. We think of predicting future stuff. Like, that's kind of what we uh, view it as. But most of the time, that's not how the Bible uses that word at all. Actually, the word technically means speaking God's truth. And so the question is, where do we find God's truth specifically today? Today. It's in this book right here. This is where we find God's truth for us. It's God's words to us. And so Paul's saying, hey, don't despise or don't reject God's truth. That's not something that we should be doing. Instead, when we're counseling people, we should always be pointing them to God's truth. Last week we talked about how um, I think all of us were prone to uh, giving our opinion and kind of giving our advice when it comes to counseling. And um, Paul doesn't say to give our personal advice, right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, tell, give them your opinion and make sure they do that. Ultimately, what we're supposed to be doing as Christians and when we're trying to help people around us is we need to be pointing people to truth and people should be pointing us to the truth. But one issue that we got is we got to figure out what truth is, right? He hits that next. He says, this is how we do it. We test all things. He's like, you gotta test it. What do we test truth against when someone gives us our, an opinion or advice or something like that? What do we test it against? We test it against the Bible. That's what we do. We got to know whether it's good advice or not. And when it's good advice, what do we do? We hold on to what is good. He's like, so when someone, when we're counseling or when we get counseled, which all of us, it should be, you know, both ways. Um, We should test what we're saying to others, and we should test what people are saying to us against the Bible. And then we throw out the bad stuff, and we hold on to the good stuff. All right? That makes sense. And the good stuff we need to listen to. See, some of our problems, we have problems with this, because some of us... Let's be honest, like, we don't know the Bible good enough, all right, but, which, by the way, the Bibles are God's specific words to you and, and to me. We don't know it good enough to test. If someone tells us something, we're like, I don't know, it sounds okay, it sounds good. And think about it, let's be realistic here. Like, we all got Bibles all around us. We got Bibles at home. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We got access to Bibles, you know, online. I mean, it's just all over the place. We're surrounded by Bibles. We're surrounded by God's Word. We just don't bother to read it. It's really hard for us to test whether counseling is good or bad when we don't know what the Bible says. So that's an issue. Number two, other, others of us, we know what the Bible says, but we just don't like it, right, in specific things. We like, you know, we, we wouldn't say, oh, we don't like the Bible. It's, it's, the Bible tells us something, we're like, oh, I don't know. You know. Sometimes we don't vocalize that. We just, on the internal, we're like, I'm not doing that, you know, that type of thing. And we don't like it, and so we choose not to listen. And when we don't, the word he says, hold on to, that particular truth, because we just happen to disagree with it because it doesn't fit with our circumstances or it's just hard to hear, right? It, what are we doing? We're stifling the spirit, which is, he's already told us not to do. And so it's an issue. He finishes up saying, stay away from every kind of evil. He's like, just stay away from it. So good counseling It's hard to come by. It's hard to give. It's hard to come by. You know, but the world, man, the world needs it. Shoot, we need it. It's something that's important. It's something that's kind of a, it's one of the most important things as Christians. We're supposed to do life together. That's why the church is even here. We're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to help each other and grow each other. And part of that is counseling each other. And so what Paul, just kind of wrap it up in a nice neat little bow here for us all. What Paul's telling us over the last two weeks is to say, number one, you need to warn as Christians. Okay, so if you're a Christian in here, which may not ever be everybody in here, um, this is what God's telling you to do. You need to warn, comfort, and help. Not stay quiet, not mind your own business necessarily. You need to warn, comfort, and help, which also on the flip side, not always giving your opinion and your advice either. Warn, comfort, and help. And when you are wronged, which is going to happen, don't ever encourage anybody to pay them back or do something back. And when, you, when specifically you are wrong, we don't, there's no payback you know, in anything. We don't get them back. Instead, we rejoice always, we talk to God constantly, which is so awesome that we have the ability to do that, and we're thankful. We don't stifle the Spirit, we don't ignore the Bible, which is used to test counseling given to us, test the advice and opinions that people give to us, and above all, we just stay away from evil, which is hard for all of us. So the question is, how are we doing in that area of our life today? If you're like me, probably not the best, you know? It's like, uh, I don't know. I think we can all think of people in our lives where we're like, yeah, you know, I should probably say something. Um, Yeah, you know, I I need to be helping them through this. Uh, Yeah, I need to be, you know, I need to be warning them. I need to be helping them. I need to be comforting them. And we just don't do it. But God's telling us to. So whatever that means for you, that's what God's telling you to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for it today. And um, God, some this is hard for us to do. I mean, it just is. Uh, sometimes it's awkward. I mean, it's it takes work. It's not easy, um, especially to do uh, to to counsel people with like patience, and always have joy. And just all this stuff, this is just really hard for us to do because we're messed up people. We're evil. But God, knowing that you give us these, we know that it's possible. And we know this is something we need to be working on within ourselves and we also need to be taking action with people that are around us, specifically Christians. And God, we ask that you would help us do that um, with your help. And that we wouldn't be giving people our advice or what we think or, or what, um, you know, what our opinions are necessarily. That we'd be showing them and constantly pointing people back to your words. Because your words are truth. And it's the only truth. God, we thank you for these words. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.